0: everyone. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the Best MSU Basketball Podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here with our preview for the 2023-2024 season for number 12, Nebraska. The Cornhuskers. Are coming off a well improved year, which maybe is not saying a whole lot since they've been not an abject failure under Fred Hoiberg, but certainly not very good. But they finally looked semi decent last season. They were sixteen and sixteen for the season, so no losing record. They were nine and eleven in the Big Ten, which was easily the most wins that they've had under Fred Hoiberg in the Big Ten. That might be as many wins as he's had in the Big Ten collectively. <laughs> Before, yeah, three, yeah it might yeah, be. yeah, yeah. They've been usually winning it's two close. or three. Uh, so they were number ninety four in Ken Palm, and they were actually a fun team to watch, especially with the emergence of uh, Tomananga. Uh, they they are they have a good crowd, and it's you know it seems like a pretty good ba- basketball atmosphere in Lincoln. Uh, they still had struggled last year, obviously because you know they were 9-11. Uh, they had problems with turnovers, three point shooting, but they were pretty decent inside. their arc, fifty uh, fourth uh, in Ken Palm, and they were on defensively better than they've been. Uh, they were 69th overall and they were able to defend without fouling a lot, which is put them as sixth. than Ken Palmer uh, free throw attempts per, uh, in relation to field goal attempts. Uh, and they were decent everywhere else, I guess is probably what they, which for them was a huge improvement. Uh, they weren't anywhere near the bubble to get in the tournament, but they've had a pretty good run. Uh, they were seven, four non-conference play, which, and they, uh, managed to beat a bunch of power five opponents, including Creighton, uh, and then ended the Big Ten season six and two, largely on like I mentioned, Tomonaga and his uh, his play and sort of his emergence, and also Fred Hoiberg's uh, son's emergence uh, in the team too. And so, you know, is I guess the the question you obviously have him ranked twelfth, so not very high in the Big Ten, You're pretty much where they I think last year they finished a little higher than that. I can't remember exact. Finish, they did, but yeah, uh, so not as good, but better they seem to at least have a trajectory that looks somewhat positive at least as of last season
1: absolutely and i and by just by picking them 12th doesn't mean that i think it's impossible they could finish you know several spots higher they could sure um you know it's it's funny because you look at these a lot of these areas and say, well wow, god they almost they were only one win away from being a 500 team in the league and yeah you know they they were decent defensively <laughs> All of that, but they and and the three non conference wins over power five opponents and you know Creighton being a legitimately good one, but they still weren't close to being a tournament team. And I think the reason for that is that nine and eleven record is slightly deceptive in that they didn't really beat anybody who was really good. And the fact is the Big Ten didn't have a lot of really good teams. They had Purdue. And then you know several teams, Michigan State being one of them, who were good but not great in terms of their profile. Whereas if you go back, you know, two years prior, the COVID year, if you went nine eleven in the Big Ten, you you had you would have had to have beaten some really good teams yeah. to win that many games because there was that much depth in terms of high quality. And I, when I say high quality, I'm talking about things like the metric systems, but there were so many high quality teams that you almost couldn't help, but have some pretty impressive scalps. If you've got nine of them, you know Um, but look all all said and done real progress for the first time in the Fred Hoiberg era, which I have freely admitted I've been dead wrong about. I thought this was a spectacular hire when they made it because I looked at it and I said, this guy did really good work at Iowa state. He's got more resources Um, at Nebraska, this will be great for them and it's been anything but, but finally he found the right combination. Now he lost enough from this team that, and this also factors into where I have them picked that it's no done deal. They're able to repeat it. But I do think if you're a Nebraska fan for the first time, since he got hired, you're allowed to feel optimistic about what this season could be. And look, there's a possibility, there's definitely a path where if things break really really well for them, could they be a team that gets their way onto the bubble? Yeah, that wouldn't totally shock me. I'm not expecting it, but I if enough things break the right way, yeah. It's not it's not like we're talking about Minnesota where you look right. at it and you say, "Boy, this just seems impossible."
0: To your point with a Big 10, you're when you're 12th, you're in that area where you move up two or three spots i mean which you're ninth in the big 10 you're in the conversation most likely most you know, likely of, of, of yes. at least on the bubble right yeah i mean there's an up op- there's an opportunity yep. for you to that's get there. exactly what i mean that kind of scenario yeah. and and moving up three spots from 12th to ninth is probably only two more wins in the big 10 yep. it's not like you know a, a massive difference yeah but,
1: and, but again it's also going to matter who you beat and sure, can they right. repeat that non conf you know even with those three Power Five wins, they were still only seven and four in non-conference. So can they be, you know, nine and two, and still have those nine, those Power Five wins? Still beat Creighton, you know, those kind of things. Those would be the that would be the scenario whereby you could see Nebraska getting into the mix. And then again, it will probably matter who you beat in conference play. You know, right. if you're just if those nine wins are coming from, well, they swept Minnesota. They swept Penn State. They got Michigan once. They got uh, a, yeah, I don't some know. home wins against some, yeah. Yeah, yeah some only not teams, much yeah. on the road. You know, that stuff can, can mean, it doesn't mean as much as you might think.
0: Right, and what they do in non-conference obviously matters too. Yep. All right, so before we go on to the players who are leaving the team, I just want to remind everyone that we do have a Big Ten contest, get the Beat Rod contest. If you can <laughs> predict the Big Ten final standings, day- <laughs> final standings better than him 1 through 14 you can win a hoodie at the end of the season and and uh you know you got nothing to lose it's just send an email to me at Ericrica tiffnots.com uh, they're just with your list of 1 through 14 the tiebreaker will be how many points Michigan State scores against Michigan this season and remember they're playing them twice so how many points Michigan State scores and we actually had to use a tiebreaker last year so uh, if you want to win had an opportunity to win that shirt you can f- feel free to send out uh, email to me that has to be in before Michigan state. Well, any big 10 teams play their first big 10 game. So if you want to wait to see how people are looking, which is what most people did last year, which is why they were able to predict Purdue much higher than I think you had originally in the season, they saw sort of what was coming down the, down the tracks, so to speak. Uh, So you can wait, but it has to be in before big 10 play begins in whenever it is in December, like the seventh or something like that. All right. So let's talk about the players who are departing the Huskers this year. Uh, Number one, Derek Walker. He's a big loss, obviously, for the team. He was a 6'9 player uh, who was a big presence in paint. He was very good, consistent, low post uh, scorer. He averaged 13.6 points a game, a little over seven rebounds a game, which were tops for the the Huskers, and uh, shot 58% from the floor. So he obviously will be greatly missed.
1: Yeah, I mean, two things he did exceptionally well. He finished around the rim which was a big deal. And he, and he knew who he was. You didn't see him, right. you know, take threes or he, he played within his capabilities and he was also a really good passer for a big man. They ran a lot of, you know, Nebraska didn't, although it was the best point guard play, I think they've had in the Hoiberg era. That doesn't mean it was great. So it helped that they had a, an alternate ways to run offense and They could run offense through Derek Walker out of the post. So he's a major loss. I mean, he was a really high-caliber player for them. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the league was stacked with so many great big men because he very much got lost in the shuffle. But he was really good the last two years.
0: And so next would be Sam Griesel. He was the grad transfer uh, 6'6 player who came into work as point he averaged 12 points a game on 60 I'm sorry 45 32 and 68 shooting led the team in assists also pulled down almost six rebounds a game uh, he was a very good contributor and one of the keys to them actually playing well since they were not as discombobulated an offense as they had been the previous couple seasons
1: you know he was kind of like he wasn't he wasn't nearly as good as Pickett at Penn State but it was somewhat of a similar effect in that they had this big physical guy who mm-hmm. could run offense. Now, again, as I said, he wasn't a great, great point guard in that way, but he was better than what they'd had in the past. And you look at the total contributions, I mean, 12 points a game, almost six boards a game, leads a team in assists. That's solid defensively. I mean, that's giving you contributions in a lot of areas. And the biggest thing was that, you know, the, the Hoiberg era, such as it is, had been marked by just wild out of control play at the point. Yeah. He had guys, seemed every year he'd have a new, uh, he'd come up with a new guy in the portal who was very athletic, but and showed talent, quote unquote, but couldn't ever control it. Griesel played largely under control, and that alone was a big step in the right direction. So they'll miss him as well. The only thing he really didn't do very well is shoot the three.
0: And so one of the big losses is Emmanuel Bandemel and big loss just because, man, I love his name. So Emmanuel huh. Bandemel is a six-four grad transfer. He averaged 8.4 points a game and 4.8 rebounds a game, shot 36, 22, and 75. He was a good defender, but obviously he's really struggled from deep, but he's pretty good inside the inside the arc and was a pretty good score for Nebraska.
1: Yeah, he definitely was a guy they liked. And, and yet it's funny, after he got hurt, you would have thought that would have been a big blow. They, they had two yeah. guys go down. He and Jawan Gary, who played very well at the power forward, got hurt roughly around the same time. And you would think for a team that wasn't going all that well at that stage anyway, that would be the death now. Instead, they got better. That's when they went on that 6-2 and two run. So they'll hope that they won't miss him that much. But he did make contributions, against specifically on the defensive end.
0: Next departure is Wilhelm Breidenbach, 6'10", redshirt freshman. He was pretty good. He had those big, thick glasses, kind of Coke bottle glasses. Yeah. Um, He he played the four to five. He stood out visually,
1: that's for sure.
0: (laughs) He... He, he was all Wilhelm. There's no question. He Oh yeah. his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. He averaged 3.6 points a game, 2.7 rebounds a game, shot 39, 23 and 61. Uh, he liked to transfer to, uh, another big 10 school, Washington. So we may see him again in the future.
1: We'll see him back. That's right. Um, yeah, that was a, you know, it was a weird one. He was a Southern California kid. So when Nebraska got him two years ago, it was kind of it, – it seemed strange, but maybe not in the new Big Ten where that is Big Ten country. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was – you know, they've got other big guys, so it's not a huge, huge blow. But I liked him in the role he was in. He obviously needed to shoot the ball much better. But he'd kind of get in there, and he was a little bit um, – ungainly in terms of yeah. the way it, with with a big body so he can kind of muck things up you know he's one of those guys that you'd actually if you were uh, rooting for the opposing team you'd actually be a little bit worried that he might not even with intent injure one of your players <laughs> yeah, you exactly know? yeah but there's a value to that
0: for some teams so yeah a loss and the next would be denim dawson athletic six seven freshman he averaged uh, 1.7 points a game on 1.8 rebounds a game. Uh, he's leaving for Tennessee State. So like many of these transfers out, it sort of where they end up kind of shows you where they think they were, you know, where they end up. Where they, where they belonged in the Big Ten or not. And he's obviously the one who thought he probably need to go down a level or two.
1: It does, yep.
0: Uh, next to be Oleg Kognitz, 7-footer. He only played 62 minutes in 18 games, and he is heading out west to Wyoming. Oh, not that for against Nebraska.
1: Yeah, again, you know, a big didn't play a lot, um, and then he hits the portal and ends up Wyoming, which is you know a transfer, a transfer down. Uh, tells you something about how he was viewed on the open market, so to speak,
0: right? Yeah, he's one of those fives that you know Michigan State could have got the year before. Like, there's so many fives, you just get yeah. to fill that spot, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and finally, the last departing players. Quarren McPherson, a wing. He redshirted last year, didn't play, and he's heading to Northern Illinois to complete his college career.
1: Again, so he transfers to the MAC level. You know, probably makes sense for him to have an opportunity. And for some of these guys, too, I'll tell you what, and you're already seeing it, but I think we will continue to see it. It's worth mentioning. So, a guy like McPherson, he redshirts, he doesn't play. He transfers down to the MAC level. If he has a good year this year or as a sophomore, he could very easily transfer back up and we'll see is that it,
0: would you have to be a grad transfer though at this point Well, you do or you
1: get the waiver you get the oh, waiver sure. though and and granted the NCAA has been hesitant to hand waivers out which is surprising um <laughs> but uh okay let's say as a, as a senior um you know, you will see these these kind of phenomenons where guys transfer out, go down to a lower level, figure it out, play well, and maybe get an opportunity to transfer back up.
0: Yeah. And you can graduate certainly earlier, too, since yep. you've registered, right? For sure. So yep. You could only play two years at Northern Illinois and then play a third year somewhere else right. after you graduate, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Before we get to the returning players, just want to remind you to check out the people who make our gear and that make our t-shirts and our hoodies you can get those at the final fours on the schedule.com slash merchandise it leads you to a nudge printing uh, they all the proceeds go to our show but they are a fantastic printer michigan state alumni run that uh, you c- can't get better quality uh, they're fantastic as i've mentioned before many times multiple washes the shirts look just like new they're super soft very breathable comfortable i wore that hoodie uh, during the season and during my free throw competition and it helped me win the free throw competition. I'm not saying that the shirt is what led me to victory, but I'm saying this, these hoodies might have powers that you're not familiar with. And so it's probably worth trying and you know, who knows what it could do. You could do with that hoodie. Uh, So check out nudge printing at NudgePrinting.com. They've got all kinds of other Spartan gear, obviously, and other teams in the state of Michigan outside of Ann Arbor. Uh, You get 20% off your order. If you go type in final four into the coupon code at checkout, all right, so returning players, this is really comes down to the most one, the one who's probably the most beloved, unless you're happy to go up against him, is Kisei Tomonaga. He was super popular when it was the Big Ten tournament. I mean, this, everyone just loved this guy, uh, just because he's totally crazy. I mean, he's, <laughs> as you've written down here, he's entertaining and maddening at the same time, probably for both teams, <laughs> for Nebraska yeah. too, right? 6'2 yep. guard. uh shot 40% from the field, uh, from three, 50% from the field, and uh, a guy who will have a, I guess, a twitchy trigger, right? He'll shoot anywhere, falling sideways, wherever, and he tends to hit a lot of them. I mean, hit 40% with that kind of crazy shooting, but this is very much like um, the guy from Penn State. I'm blanking on his name right now. Funk, Andrew Funk. Funk, yeah, they, Andrew Funk. I mean, very similar in the sense that, although uh, in the sense of their shot selection, the only difference is I think he's got more flair and sort of, Personality, charisma, and really plays up the crowd and things like that. Uh, yeah, he, he's he he's very much more a showman than than Funk was. Funk was more sort of businesslike in his crazy shots. But and the one thing I would say also with Tomonaga is that near the end of the season, he was he was uh, had utilized was using like the shot fake and ability to go in and go for two uh, because you're forced to guard the guy you know twenty five yep. thirty feet out of the floor and he started using that to his advantage to get some some, you know, layups and things like that. So he averaged 13.1 points a game, like I mentioned, 50, 47 or 40 and 87 shooting. And, uh, you know, he's coming back. And so there was some question at the end of the season, but Nebraska has to be thrilled that he's going to be back to be the cornerstone for this team next year.
1: Yeah. I think you touched on the big difference. His improved efficiency from three led to his being much more effective from two because defense is extended out on the floor against him, and he was able to get inside and finish. And so 50% from the floor overall is a hell of a number for a guard. It's really good. And if you look at his volume, yeah, he took a lot of threes, but he also took a lot of twos. He wasn't one of these guys that was, well, 85% of his shots come from three. That was not Tominaga. So he really became an efficient and effective offensive weapon for a team that desperately needed it. But for that to continue, he's got to remain as efficient from three as he was last season. That's where it all starts because if he's going out there and, and shooting 32% from three teams, to some extent are going to let him do that. And they're going to look to take away the drive and just let him take bad shots. And he does take bad shots. He takes a ton of them, like objectively bad shots. But when they fall, what can you do?
0: And he's another one of
1: these guys. I mentioned it when we were talking about Funk uh, in the Penn State episode. The hard part as a team playing him is because he doesn't function conventionally as a shooter in terms of his shot selection it's very difficult to defend him because situations where a normal player would not take a shot he will and you want to contest it you know and yeah. it can be difficult figuring that out how he plays because it's so unconventional but again what i what i return to with him it's pretty simple if he can be anywhere near that efficient shooting from 3 again then all the rest of the elements to his offensive game come back into the into the fray. Um if he struggles for some reason this year, uh, it could be a different story. And I and the only reason I'm hesitating is his shot selection is so weird that it wouldn't totally shock me if he came out and he shot 32% this year from three. Right.
0: Yeah. Was last year an anomaly or is this something right. that, you know, yeah. For sure. And I feel like with him you have to have someone who's pretty athletic Beat, so they have to be able to get out to him, you know, face guard him, and then also be able to be prepared to, you know, reverse course and head and prevent him from getting yeah. downhill towards the basket as well. So it's a unique sort of defender. You have to have ability to, to guard him. Uh, so the next string player is Juwan Gary. I'm so proud of myself. I didn't say Juwan Howard. He's a six, seven power <laughs> forward, transferred in from Alabama last year was healthy. And then, as you mentioned just previously, he got hurt uh, near the end of the season he was averaging 9.5 points a game and 6.5 and rebounds a game, shooting 43, 26, and 62. So he missed the, basically the last half of the season, the last 15 games. But uh, he's definitely defensively someone they, could, they definitely could use and something they hadn't had in the past.
1: He really gave them a defensive presence and a rebounding presence at that spot. And that's been a problem in the Hoiberg era. Um, so if he's back and playing similarly – This season he will help, um, even if the shooting doesn't improve. I mean that twenty six percent from three you don't love, but you know he limits how many of those he takes. It's not a major problem, I don't think. Uh, But what he gives them in the grit areas is really important.
0: Yeah, and the one thing that Nebraska seems to have struggled with until last year, they were been really abysmal on the boards, and so they definitely got a lot better last year, which is you know probably a lot half. Half the reason, at least, that they won nine games versus the previous seasons. Uh, next would be C.J. Wiltshire, 6'5", junior, averaged eight points a game on 40, 31, and 64 shooting. Uh, he became a, a reserve role later in the season, uh, but probably will be a starter this year, depending on things. And, you know, 31%, not great shooting from deep, but, you know, can he, mark, can he knock that up a little bit? And that's going to be, I suppose, one of his tickets to play more minutes.
1: It will, and they need him to be better, and when they recruited him, they thought he'd be better than this. So I think a big key for Welcher and his role is can he unlock another level to his jump shooting? If he can, then he can be very much a fixture and a major part of this team, but they need him to do that.
0: Uh, The next player would be Jamarcus Lawrence, 6'3", sophomore, his role expanded last year as he became a starter. Uh, he averaged only five points a game on 41, 37, and 39 shooting. So, obviously, low volume for those, uh, but showed that he was competent out there and was uh, positive for in their rotation.
1: Yeah, look, I, I like Lawrence a lot. Um, toward, when they were on that six and two streak late, he was playing very, very well for Nebraska. Um, I think he's got potential to be an excellent defensive player. And I think he could be a good shooter. Uh, I expect him to push for a starting role. And if he doesn't earn that, I think he'll still play a lot of minutes. Uh, What they want to see is that he becomes more of a scoring presence for them. Um, But I think there's a decent chance that could happen. I think he can also help some on the ball, too. I'm not sure he's actually a point guard, but I think he's capable of helping some there as well.
0: And so next would be Sam Hoiberg. Uh, coach's son, former walk-on six footer, uh, was because of injury was forced to play. And I don't know if he was starting, but he was playing a lot more at the end of the season. And although he only averaged 4.1 points a game on 55, 41 and 82 shooting, that's actually not a very good reflection of what he was, especially his effectiveness scoring at the end of the season. He was probably averaging much more than that. And he had a stretch probably of, I want to say, well, during that six and two stretch where he was very good and the very end of the season, like maybe the last game or two, maybe the big 10 tournament, he didn't look, they look like uh, he didn't look as good. I guess I'll just say that. And I'm not quite sure which Sam Hoiberg is the one that is going to be around next year. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if it's the one who's really good or, or not.
1: Look, they've, they've added a lot of guards. So I think that tells you something about how they, how they see it. But at the same time, you shoot 41% from three, 55% overall, (laughs) that says something. And we'll see. I think, look, it's, it comes down to this. If they still find themselves in situations where they need somebody to come in and make some shots, then he's probably got a rotation role at least at the start of the year because he, he did it last year successfully. So that much I think is, we, we know Um, how well that translates into production over this season remains to be seen. But I think if they need more shooting, he's got a chance.
0: Blaze Kita, 6'11", junior, would be the next player. He averaged two points a game and three and a half rebounds a game in just 10 minutes. He played in 21 games overall. And I don't know, there's not he didn't have a huge role last year. And I guess the question would be, you know, what he's going to do this season if he's still going to be a backup.
1: Well, I think that's, uh, they think he's got the potential to be uh, an effective backup this year he was last season when he played, I mean, three and a half rebounds a game in just 10 minutes is pretty good. Um, and you know, you can't, you can't teach size as they say. (laughs) So he's a presence physically defensively and as a rebounder. And that's probably all they're going to ask for around him and, you know, finish plays that might come to him around the rim. Um, and they, they think that there's actually the potential for more than that down the line. But for this year, I think they'd take, you know, an effective 12, 15 minutes, maybe move up a little bit from last year in terms of his playing time and just kind of hold the fort down defensively and on the boards.
0: Finally, Ramel Lloyd, six six redshirt freshman. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, they the Huskers hope he has a lot more potential and is, can play on and off the ball.
1: It's interesting. Even when those injuries we talked about hit, they decided not to take the redshirt off him. And he was, by Nebraska standards, he was a fairly highly regarded uh, high school player. He's out of Southern California. Um, they think that that extra eligibility will be valuable to him down the line. I don't – it's it's <laughs> weird because we're in an environment where the idea of redshirting anybody seems insane with the transfer portal. I mean, this idea that that you're going to have a guy stay four years – is tough enough now you're saying five that just seems crazy but um nevertheless that's what they did and they do think he's got the potential to help both on and off the ball so i would expect he'll have a shot at getting into the rotation this year we'll see how much of a role he's able to earn
0: right and before you talk about the newcomers to the huskers just want to remind you that if you have gutter work you need done The brothers that Just do Gutters are fantastic professionals. They will take care of all that. They're your tradesmen who just do gutters. They don't do anything else, which means they specialize in it and do fantastic work at an affordable price, quick, fully insured, and they'll do all the things you don't want to do. They'll clean out your gutters. They'll replace your gutters. They'll repair them. They'll put on the leaf guards so you don't have to be clearing them out all the time. They're the guys who get up the ladder so you don't have to, and they'll come and do that quickly. We have coverage in the west side of the state, the Grand Rapids area, out to the lakeshore, and all the way out on the east side in the Detroit metro area, uh, by Greg and his team, you can find links to that at brothersgutters.com, or you can just go find the links to that in the podcast player, or if you're watching this on YouTube, and get a hold of them. Ten percent off if you have mentioned Final Four in your request, you won't regret it. They do incredible work, and uh, you know we have a contest giving away free nudge printing things. I don't know what we could do giving away free gutters or something like, that, but if we could, they they are uh, they're all game for it. So, anyway, let's talk about newcomers for the for the season for the Huskers. I'll uh, we'll start with rink mast 6'9, 240 pound transfer from Bradley. Uh, he was a, um, he was something they really needed and he's very good. He averaged 13.8 re- uh, points a game and eight rebounds a game in the Missouri Valley. He played for, you know, and tournament team, he shot 52, 35 and 74. Uh, I actually, since I watch a little bit Missouri Valley basketball, just because my dad's team is Drake. I watched him play a couple times and he's very good. And he uh, also, He's a pretty good guy passer too. he averaged almost two and a half assists a game
1: yeah i i think he seems you've seen more of him than i have but i think on paper he seems almost a perfect replacement assuming for walker assuming he can produce at anything close to the same levels that he did at bradley i will say you know we're always concerned about How guys translate when they come up a level into the Big Ten. But when you've played in the Missouri Valley, the Missouri Valley is a really good league. It's generally teams are well coached. You have hostile road environments. I mean, there are a lot of things that I think translate to the Big Ten. So I'm bullish on him, maybe not 14 and eight, but I think he'll produce. And the fact that he's a good passer means they have that option again at least in theory of running offense through a big. So I mean you saw him play more than I did. You, do you think what he does translates?
0: I mean he was the best player on the on Bradley's team and he he is um he's a guy you absolutely can play through. He just makes smart decisions, he's very talented, skilled and uh moves pretty well and I think he's I don't know that he's going to be the, like Walker in the sense that he's probably not going to be that he plays differently, but I think he's a definitely guy you can rely on. And I don't think there's any he'll have any problems playing in the Big Ten. I you know, there's some players you think they're small or there's some yeah. sort of aspect of that they, they succeed because of the level they're playing at. I don't think he's gonna have any trouble. I think he'll blend in pretty well and you won't you won't notice or even know that he was not a Big Ten player before. Okay. Uh so next we'll talk about Bryce Williams. Six seven wing transfer from Charlotte. He averaged thirteen point eight points a game and five point three rebounds a game shooting 48, 40, and 84 uh, with a relatively high three-point volume. So he's obviously one of the shooters that Hoiberg's bringing in to, you know, be alongside Tomanaga. so you'd have more than just one threat out there outside the arc.
1: Uh, you know, coming from Charlotte, so Conference USA, again, it's somewhat similar to what we just said about uh, about Mast. Mm -hmm. that's a decent enough league that I have a little more faith. Again, I don't know that I expect 14 and five, but I think Williams has a chance to produce at the big 10 level. And he's a really, really important player for them to get because they need to find some scoring and some shooting to pair with Tominaga. And this guy's got a chance to do it. I mean, 40% from three on a relatively high volume, um, so he's an efficient shooter at six, seven. He's got good size. Um, they think he can be a solid defensive player. I think he's hugely important. A lot of the season comes down to, in my opinion, how good Mast and Williams are. Are they, are they legit big 10 quality starters at their positions? If they are, Nebraska can surprise to the upside. Uh, next
0: we'll go to one of my wife's most frustrating players last season for the her Hawkeyes, Aaron six, 6'3 senior transfer from the Hawkeyes. He averaged 6.1 points a game on 40, 32, and 71 shooting. He had a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Um, but of course the big thing as of the recording, there a, there's a lot of there were problems with gambling, both at the Hawkeyes and, and Iowa State, and he has been sort of a subject to a criminal gambling probe in the state of Iowa and it's unclear you know, what will happen. There's a good chance that this get by Nebraska will end up being gotten, <laughs> that he will not be able to play maybe ever again in college basketball because he was allegedly uh, gambling on games that he was participating in.
1: Yep, and that's a big problem, uh, to say, <laughs> say the, the least. least. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's not the last guy we're going to talk about in these previews that has been implicated in this. Although, interestingly – at least as of today, um, as we record this in late uh, in late August, um, as of today, nobody on Iowa's current roster. But obviously, Ulysses was there last year. Look, they brought him in to be the starting point guard, and he would have been, I think, a decent option. He wasn't great at Iowa. No, but not at all. You don't necessarily need him to be great. You just need competence at that yeah. position for Nebraska, and I think he could have given them that. But it looks unlikely to me that he's going to play. So consequently, yeah, think... they went out and they got the next guy we'll talk about.
0: <laughs> and that next guy is 6'5 grad transfer from Ball State, Jaron Coleman. He averaged 14.3 points a game on 38, 35, and 78 shooting last year. Grabbed a little under five rebounds a game and had 3.8 assists per game to 2.2 turnovers a game. So a little less than 2-1 to one, uh, average.
1: Yeah, and... I think it's likely he's going to spend a lot of time on the ball. You like that size. Um, mm-hmm. That also means he could play off the ball if they need him to at times. But I think he's going to come in and job one is going to be try to win that point guard spot. The interesting thing here is this isn't just a guy who transferred up from the Mac. It's kind of what I was alluding to a little earlier. Yeah. He started his career at Missouri and he had 21 starts there. He averaged Eight point six points, along with two point eight assists per game. So there's reason to think that Jaron, and that was a younger Jaron Coleman. So there's reason to think that his game can translate. Um, I'll say this: if he can, if he can shoot at the same levels he did at Ball State, then you've got a very reasonable facsimile in some ways of what Sam Greasel gave this team. Decent rebounding playmaking and respectable enough shooting that you got to guard him and size at the position.
0: Next would be Josiah Alec, six, eight power forward transferring from New Mexico. He averaged 8.4 points a game and 7.3 rebounds a game while shooting 56, 16 and 67. Uh, so obviously three point shooting is not where he's, you're going to get any value from him, but uh, the other th- aspects of his game,
1: yeah, and I think this is important, and it shows you where Hoiberg believes he's at because you add a kid like Alec, he's primarily, I think, going to be the backup behind Gary, but a high-quality backup, or at least a chance to be that. I mean, 8.4 points, 7.3 boards at New Mexico is decent production. And if if he's your backup foreman, man you're in decent shape. That's, that's something that I think you know, is oftentimes the problem that lower echelon Big Ten teams have. They might actually have some capable starters, but it's the lack of depth. It's when they've got to go to the bench and what their second string big looks like versus Michigan State's second string big. You know, it's those situations. So adding a guy like Alec, I think, really helps. And and some of the – just in general – what Hoiberg's been able to do this off season. I think he's got a better chance at having a truly competitive rotation as opposed to, well, he's got some good starters.
0: Well, finally, and I guess this is the only actual high school recruit that Nebraska has come in is Eli Rice, six, seven wing hybrid three, four guy from Tennessee played at IMG last year. And so I, you know, he's, well, like I said, he's our only high school player.
1: Yeah, and they like his potential. They think he could be a versatile, uh, maybe a three-four guy, play some wing, play inside some. Uh, they like his versatility, but I, I don't expect Rice to play much this
0: year. And finally, uh, Matar Diop. He's six-nine, native of Senegal. Uh, he's a late addition, just just joined the Nebraska class as we're recording this in late July, and so he's again, you know, an intriguing prospect, but. That's all he is at this point.
1: Yeah, you know, it's good physical tools, needs a lot of development. They beat out old miss among others for him. Uh, I think with with Mass and Cada already on hand, unless there are injuries, uh, it's not likely that Jopp is in the rotation as a freshman, but you know, he's a guy that they're kind of taking a flyer on they can develop and, and he can help them down the line.
0: All right. So overall, uh the Husker team looks more put together than they have in the past. They certainly have some momentum from last season. They have some pieces that are encouraging with Tominaga and Gary and uh and I think some high-level transfers like I said, I think Mast and Williams like you mentioned out of Charlotte. They have some some pieces that you think could could hurt you especially when you head into Lincoln. Um obviously pretty 12th, but that again, that's all the difference between 12th and 8th might not be much so uh, where do you see this whole class and and I guess then the larger question after that is what do you think about Hoyberg? like you know where's where's this thing going is he going to be around a while what are your feelings on that?
1: Huh. Alright let's start with this team so I, I, I do like the potential for this team and they certainly have the potential to make me look foolish by picking them 12th you know if Tomanaga is as efficient as he was last season that's a really tough cover you know yep. Um, I think Gary and Lawrence are both guys who give them a grit they haven't always had, and Lawrence, I think, in particular, has the potential to be a really good guard, and I think Wiltshire still has potential too. He's just got to find consistency with that jumper. And then you look at that portal class, and as I mentioned, I think Mast and Williams are really important additions, and if those guys are good, Nebraska's really cooking at that point. Then you've got, you know, the potential and, the, and you add in Coleman as your probable starter at the point, you know, it, it would be interesting. They would be, um, and Coleman's important too, because with Tomonaga and Lawrence, you have two somewhat smaller guards, six, two and six, three. So having a six, five guy, um, at the point would help. Now, Williams probably, uh, will start on the wing as well, I guess, instead of, uh, probably instead of Lawrence and he's six, seven. Mm -hmm. So they can have the potential to have some decent length on this team. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I also think that you look at these pieces they've assembled and I can much more easily than in any year previous to this, I can see how, Oh yeah, he could have a credible eight man rotation or nine man rotation. You know, and that's a big deal. That's, that's something you need in part, um, to withstand injury, foul trouble in certain games, but also just to make sure that you've got some real depth. So Mm -hmm. even though I don't see a tournament bid as likely for this team, they can get into that discussion if enough things break the right way. And it's not asking for something crazy to happen. Um, if they can be somewhere around where they were defensively last season, then what it's really going to come down to is can they find more consistent offense? And I think there's enough here to suggest that they might be able to do that. So that's how I see this team. Fred Hoiberg in general. I, I boy, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um,
0: That's why I ask you the tough questions. Don't, Cause you know, yeah, right. he's the, he was the transfer portal guy, right? I mean, that was, yeah. this, is, this seemed like the perfect situation. He's in a, a place which, I mean, it certainly doesn't have was well, state,
1: right when when he was at Iowa State and even his first couple of years at Nebraska, his first year, the portal didn't exist. He did all that work at Iowa State under the old transfer rules, which were tougher to work with. yeah, and yet he really had success with it. It just hadn't worked at Nebraska until last year. You know, you look at some of the additions he made, I thought the additions he brought in that portal class last year, I think in retrospect looks pretty damn good. You know, when mm-hmm. you added, you added, um, you added Greasel, uh, which was important. Bandomel helped before he got hurt. Um, and then, you know, Jawan Gary was effective. Um, that's, that's not a bad haul. Now, will this year's group repeat that? I actually think this year's group has a chance to collectively be better than that one was because I think mass could be really effective. I think Williams could be really effective and I think Coleman can be at least respectable. And then a guy like Alec, I think gives them the kind of experience and proven production at a decent level, you know, Nebraska, Mountain West school, um, that suggests that it will help lengthen Nebraska's bench. I mean, if Nebraska's rotation has, let's say, Alec and um, Alec, Lawrence, and Wilcher all coming off the bench, that's eight quality guys. Keita as a backup big is nine. And then somebody like Hoiberg, Ramel Lloyd as your, you know, your 10th, 11th guys. That's not a terrible looking group. Yeah. So there's potential there. I don't know what it all means for his long-term future there. I, I definitely think if they'd had another just absolute garbage season last year, maybe they decide to start over.
0: Yeah. That's but they, that was what I was thinking. But now yeah. you feel he's bought himself some time.
1: He bought himself another year. Um, the, the flip side to it is Nebraska is one of these places like Penn state, um, where Northwestern, where you can kind of tread water for a while mm-hmm. and and you last a lot longer than you would at places that are really serious about it. I think Nebraska would like to have a competitive basketball program. You look at the money they've spent on their arena, their facilities, all those things are great. They spent a good amount of money to hire Fred Hoiberg. So it's not accurate to say, oh, they don't care. I think they'd like to be good. I'm not sure they need to be good. They need to be good in football, you know? Right. I don't know that they need to be good in basketball, and that might be the problem. Uh, but it also means it might be the thing that gives Fred Hoiberg a little more of a leash on life. We will see. Um, I think they've got enough potential that, look, If you, it, it'll be interesting to see. If you're Nebraska and say Fred Hoyberg gets them to ten and ten in the league and they miss out on a tournament bid, but they go to the NIT, is that enough that it brings him back for another year? Would Nebraska fire a guy based on that? I don't know. I mean, they did fire Tim Miles, and Tim Miles actually got him to a tournament once. Right. You know, his yeah. his program, the trajectory, his problem was he started out really well and then it just started slipping. Um, Hoiberg, if he can put a good year together this season, he would have the opposite trajectory, which is probably better. So I think it's a a key year, though. Uh, The only hesitation I have in saying that he might be on the hot seat is it's Nebraska. And I don't know how (laughs) much. At some point, it'll be too much, and he keeps losing. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I yeah. and I honestly don't expect them to be as God-awful as they were during those first three, four years.
0: It's pretty hard to be that bad. And they certainly have too yeah. much talent, you think, on this team. I mean, yeah. outside of like they multiple shouldn't. injuries they, throughout the team. Right. And, you know. and
1: and those kind of things could be excused, perhaps. But, yeah, they shouldn't be that bad.
0: All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there for Nebraska. Uh, Corners who's coming at number 12. Uh, I'd recommend that you check out our support page if you like what we're doing. And... Love talking to you say basketball, listening to it. Make sure you connect your friends with our show as well to increase the size of the Spartan community listening to the show. We really appreciate that. You've helped us grow a ton tremendously uh, in the last just year and a half. Uh, so if you want to support us other ways to help keep the show on the air too, you can go to the thefinalfoursdowntheschedule.com slash support. There you can find ways of giving one-time guests via PayPal or Venmo or on a recurring basis through Patreon. And uh, there are different levels there. You can get various uh, rewards for being part of Patreon. Uh, also, if you're interested in being part of the show on uh, a sponsor, it's like a business or some, or you want to drop a note to a friend or something like that, that's, you can always leave, send me a message at eric at tiffnots.com and we can try and set something up. So, again, check out Nudge Printing. Check out the Brothers of Just Two Gutters. They're a fantastic sponsors for the show. And next stop will be number 11 Northwestern. And until next time, the final four is down on the schedule. Go green spelting